the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. Tuesday, September 26, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. I've got Mr. Bill to my east. I've got David Dahl, my producer, to my north. And I have Miss Terry Septent of David Dahl. For the... I'm so proud of you learning directions. Yeah, it's yes. How proud I am, like a little Lebowski urban achiever. How proud we are of him. 602 for everyone else at every other cardinal point on the compass. I wanted to pick up on a discussion we were having yesterday regarding illegal immigration. There were a couple of threads whose strands I think were left untied. First, why the administration in Washington keeps telling us the border is secure and not open. And second, presuming we don't believe them because nobody can believe them, why are they keeping our border so vulnerable? The first is so manifestly a lie that the recent Washington Post-ABC poll gives the Biden administration a 23% approval rate on handling immigration. Few things get that low in approval, ever. That is why they are lying. That is the answer, which raises the question as to why they are continuing to allow this to go on. And to that, I think, there are two explanations. One is long-term, one is short-term. The short term was spoken about a bit yesterday, but listener Tom Eden mailed me this morning as good a summary of the explanation as any. Tom writes, I keep hearing that we don't understand the Biden administration's policy of unlimited immigration. Democrats have for decades wanted regularization of large numbers of immigrants. For example, Obama's dreamers. They cannot maintain popularity with voters if they admit growing immigration problem, uh, population is their goal. But they believe if the number of illegals residing in America gets large enough, even Republicans will admit we have to do something about this population. Removal will be deemed unpopular as being inhuman. Poverty among unremovable, unemployable populations, legally, will make regularization the only viable policy. This is the path to getting immunity for illegal immigrants and eventual citizenship. Leftist city leaders are already trying to get illegal voting rights. A generation of dependent citizens will not understand the value of liberty and self-reliance. They will be vulnerable to the siren song of government providing the path to a safe and comfortable life, changing America forever fundamentally transforming America, you might call it. That was Tom's email. That line, um, of course, um, also requires something with regard to the long view or the long term. And it's obviously a huge concern that we may or may not be up to addressing as a national issue. It's concerning and toxic, both of them. But by toxic, it's this longer one that I think is truly poisonous. Let's start with the phrase, America for which it stands. America for which it stands. That line comes from the Pledge of Allegiance, of course. Interesting history to that pledge. It was originally written to help celebrate Columbus Day. 
Now maybe you can understand a little better why Columbus is on the chopping block and has been for years. Columbia itself, the word from Columbus, is a synonym for America. But if you get rid of Columbus, you might just as well get rid of the pledge, which was created to help celebrate Columbus Day, as I say. I guess if you eliminate the retail Columbus Day, you can easily shut down the wholesale, its animating purpose, celebrating and pledging fealty to the United States of America and liking the United States of America. The problem comes this way. Some of us still think and truly believe America matters and means something unique and is great in that uniqueness. And by us, I mean the whole family of man, if I can borrow a line from Abraham Lincoln. Tens of millions of us and pretty much every person alive in every other country of the world thinks America matters. If it didn't, for example, we wouldn't have an immigration problem. We have our detractors, to be sure, but they detract because we matter. They aren't focusing their time on fighting places or countries that don't matter, that are not in their way. Who hates Norway, after all? Those that know we matter and stand for something good, well, who are they? Find me a continent they don't exist on. If they live in relatively free or free countries, they try to come here. We have more immigrants from India in this country than almost any other country, for example. If they live in unfree countries, which would make affinity for democracy, America, all the harder, they tell us we matter and mean something unique as well. They march in Hong Kong with American iconography. iconography. They march in Tiananmen with American iconography. They march in Tehran with American iconography. Here at home in America, that iconography is destroyed, burned, thrown into rivers, and torched. Oh, and renamed. And the symbols of America and Americanism quickly fall out of favor, where it becomes more patriotic to sit down during the national anthem than to stand for it, where it becomes a better idea to have two national anthems rather than one. Nobody, of course, ever pauses to ask what the point of a national anthem is rather than the point of several, unless we already are two nations, divided as one black and one white, as if Plessy versus Ferguson and Dred Scott were still the law of the land. How did we get here? How can we turn it around? My point about reason two for the long-term answer is to be as to the, shall we say, carelessness or insouciance about or support for an unrestricted border is that the care for this country too far, to far too many is as extant as the control of the border, both operationally and intellectually. I like to quote from Ronald Reagan, a quote many of you know. I've always thought we in Arizona owed this sentiment of Reagan's an extra measure of deference and protection and rearing, as the first time he said it was here in Phoenix, Arizona in 1961. He repeated it often and capstoned his presidency in 1989 with an, another full embrace and iteration of it. But in 1961, he first said freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We don't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream it must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day, we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like to live in the United States where men were free. That's the quote. By the time he was governor of California, he put it this way in his 1967 inaugural, quote, Perhaps you and I have lived with this miracle too long to be properly appreciative. Freedom is a fragile thing and is never more than one generation away from extinction. 
It's not ours by inheritance. It must be fought for and defended constantly by each generation, for it comes only once to a people. Those who have known freedom and then lost it have never known it again. Close quote. Then again, to complete the tricolon in his farewell address in 1989, he put it thusly, quote, We've got to do a better job of getting across that America means freedom. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of enterprise. And freedom is special and rare. It's fragile. It needs protection. If we forget what we did, we won't know who we are. I'm warning of an eradication of the American memory that can result ultimately in in an erosion of the American spirit. Close quote. Consider his farewell was almost a generation ago. His first warning on this was two generations ago. He so very much was ahead of his time, was he not? For an answering how did we get here, I would prosecute the case that we did so by ignoring Ronald Reagan. We all are rereading George Orwell these days. Why didn't we read him in high school? Why didn't we? We did, but we didn't read him rightly. None of us in high school took Orwell's dystopias seriously. We started our day back in those days, pledging allegiance to the flag. We loved anti-communist movies. We hated communism. Even most Democrats, or so they said. So we read Orwell at 16 or 17 in that atmosphere and thought it all phantasmagorical and perhaps interesting, but not prescriptive or descriptive. Now, if I may, let's go to Orwell's 1984 for just a moment, a part we don't quote as often as other parts. But it is this, quote, By 2050, earlier probably, all real knowledge will have disappeared. The whole literature of the past will have been destroyed. Chaucer, Shakespeare, Milton, Byron, they'll exist only in newspeak versions, not merely changed into something different, but actually changed into something contradictory of what they used to be. Even the literature of the party will change. Even the slogans will change. For how could you have a slogan like, slogan like freedom is slavery when the concept of freedom has been abolished? The whole climate of thought will be different. In fact, there will be no thought, not as we understand it now. Orthodoxy means not thinking, not needing to think. Orthodoxy is unconsciousness. I'll pick up on that when we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. I was quoting Orwell saying that orthodoxy means, writing that orthodoxy means not thinking, not needing to think. Orthodoxy is unconsciousness, he said. He was talking about slogans. And of course, our slogans have changed. Black Lives Matter has replaced all men are created equal as just one example of many. One nation under God, indivisible, is an object in our rearview mirrors, appearing closer than it actually is. Columbus Day has a new name. George Washington's and Abraham Lincoln's birthday are now lumped into the same birthday as Bill Clinton's and Andrew Johnson's. And, of course, Shakespeare is long gone, never mind Chaucer, Milton, and Byron, which sound more like a law firm than a curriculum in AP or any other English course. Did you know less than 8% of the nation's top universities require English majors to even take a course on Shakespeare? Never mind, high school. Parents and grandparents. You, happily, and sometimes not so happily, paid and took out loans for your children and grandchildren to go to college, which is to say to be indoctrinated in this literature of the party, capital P, Newspeak. 
It's a beautiful thing, Orwell writes, the destruction of words. Don't you see that the whole aim of newspeak is to narrow the range of thought? So our college students would come home from spring or Christmas break, quoting weird philosophers parents and grandparents had never heard of, justifying violent revolutions in countries nobody would ever want to visit. And we convinced ourselves, didn't we, that it just didn't really matter all that much, that our children would be just fine once they entered the workforce or adulthood. Well, problem is college and ideology are strong medicines, and they mattered. The ideology of Marx was up against what? What opposed it? For see, once you smash the bottle, the Marx and Marxist professor, professor smashed a lot of bottles. You can't really put the genie back into it, can you? So we either engaged in preemptive political and cultural sol- surrender or simply ignored what the kids were telling us. Now those kids run social media and have taken over most of all other media as well. And so we had a lab leak from the ivory towers a lab leak that started as a stream and became a Niagara Falls, a far more toxic lab leak than anything that came out of Wuhan, for this lab leak affected our brains, not just our lungs. Eight million high school and college graduates a year steeped in socialist thought, at best steeped in socialist language manipulation, at best steeped in anti-Americanism and blame America first doctrines, at best. And we marvel today as to how we cannot, cannot achieve the function after we have removed the organ. So why care about America enough to protect it or think it deserves protection from invasion at its border? But the thing is, liberty and justice for all still matter to a lot of us and to others around the world as well. Among the other books I hope we're also rereading these days is Witness, or read it for the first time by Whitaker Chambers. If you don't know his story, I urge it on you. If you don't know the book, I urge it on you as well. He speaks of those who left the Communist Party, writing, quote, It is a fact that a man can join the Communist Party, can be very active in it for years without completely understanding the nature of communism or the political methods that follow inevitably from its vision. One day, such incomplete communists discover that the Communist Party is not what they thought it was. They break with it and turn on it with the rage of an honest dupe, a dupe who has given a part of his life to a fraud, to a swindle. Often they forget that it takes two to make a swindle. Others remain communists for years, warmed by the light of its vision, firmly closing their eyes to the crimes and horrors inseparable from its practical politics. One day, though, they will have to face the facts. They are appalled at what they have abetted. They spend the rest of their days trying to explain, usually without great success, the dark clue to their complicity, close quote. Isn't that, shouldn't that be part of true education? High school, college, wherever else? steering children, youth, everyone really, to avoid crimes and horrors and pointing out the dark temptations of the crime's complicity? Well, it isn't. And so, without much comment, the former governor governor of New York, whose last name is nearly synonymous with the Democratic Party, 
or was, can say, quote, in truth, America was really never that great. That's how you end up not caring about protecting something special or great. Right now, nearly our entire education system from top to bottom and the mainstream of one of our two major political parties is misserving not just America, but the whole family of man. We castrate and bid the gildings be fruitful, and that's what it's all about, Charlie Brown. Short-term and long-term problems. Short-term for political victory, long-term for ultimate radical transformation of this country. That's what this is about. If you have a better answer, I don't know it. The one that Tom, who I quoted from, listener uh, emailed me this morning that I quoted from, the point he is speaking of has a frightening implication in there that I want to draw out just a little bit further. He says, if the, the Democrats, if the number, they, they believe if the number of illegals residing in America gets large enough, even Republicans will admit we have to do something about this population. Removal will be deemed unpopular as being inhuman. Poverty among unremovable, unemployably populations will make regularization the only viable policy. You do see that already beginning to take hold, do you not? You do see that already being counseled in Republican precincts, do you not? So what the strategy has been, the way Tom casts it, has been a version, really, of the 1960s Francis Fox Piven idea about welfare and the social safety net. It is to flood or to break the system, to flood and break it, so that there will be no choice but to further endow it and to further spend on it and to further defend it. That was the Piven strategy that many of you have perhaps heard of, sometimes referred to as the Cloven and Piven strategy. Francis Fox Piven was the lead author. Francis Fox Piven. That was the strategy with the Great Society. And you think about it. You think about how much money we are spending. We'll talk maybe with Lewis and Hugh Hallman about this a little later. How much money we are spending ourselves into debt, having broken that system. But you don't break a system. Systems don't break. Systems are made up of people. And this is the greatest fear I have. We're not just breaking systems and breaking a country. To do that, you have to do what all socialism and communism or Marxism does. You have to break men first. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski covers our culture and economy with us. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, great place to uh, reach out to him and learn more about Grand Canyon Planning, is grandcanyonplanning.com. GrandCanyonPlanning.com. How are you today, John? I'm doing well. Thank you, Seth. How about you? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I wanted to pick up on something that we were talking about yesterday. Right. Which was the high price, the high cost of just doing the ordinary. For example, 
certainly here, but you know this is manifestly true and problematic if you live in cities with wide and long commutes, like in Southern California, mm-hmm. where it can be a fifty-mile commute to go to and fro work on average. Um, and the cost of gasoline just to do that, just what it's costing you to go to work, and how that's going to um, that's going to increase your credit card debt. And we were talking about credit card debt. And what's interesting to me, there was an interesting call. I don't know if you saw it today in the Wall Street Journal. How much savings do Americans have now left anyway? And the Mm -hmm. savings rate is getting to be a bit concerning. Um, Just to give people a sense, and a lot of this had to do with COVID spending, but, you know, pre and post as well. Uh, The 8.8% in 2019 is the answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Americans had after-tax income sitting around at a rough percentage of, let's say, let's call it 9%. Because of the surge of money in COVID, it went to 33% in 2020. But now it's down to about 4.3%. That is to say there's not a lot of cushion anymore. Not a lot of cushion for anything, emergencies, but certainly even to deal with inflation, right? This is concerning. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously uh, an issue, and the challenge that many people are going to be faced with is, as you just mentioned, is uh, what are they going to do when they run out of their actual uh, reserves? Right. Uh, Well, they're going to probably start using the credit cards. Right, more debt. Yes, and so the concern is, is now what do we do when we've got uh, such such large amounts being put on credit cards just to have your everyday living expenses? Uh, you know, and if indeed with what the um, the Fed is doing with rates, they're looking to, you know, raise, continue to push the economy to a limit to where they start to see a pullback in employment. So this is going to create possibly some, you know, some people losing their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that is the case, uh, then if you've got a situation to where you've exhausted your savings, you're now uh, starting to build up credit card debt and you should lose your job. I mean, this could be a real uh, difficult time for a lot of people out there. Uh, And I think there are ways that we can overcome the challenges that we're faced with when it comes to at least gas prices, as we know, Seth, oil prices, right? Mm -hmm. We know that we probably could solve that problem pretty quickly if if the government decided to change the policy on what they're doing when it comes to, um, you know, drilling for oil and and trying to pump as much as they possibly can to keep up with, with what is happening out there in the economy. Uh, it's unfortunate, but I just don't see that this current administration no. is going to change direction. No, it's not. And, you know, we're dealing with the current problems right now and the current crises right now. You're mm-hmm. in the business of trying to avoid them over long hauls because there is an interesting attendant article over at CNBC. I don't know why they chose Costco as the example, right. but it was kind of an interesting thing. What you would have earned if you put some money in Costco 10, 5, or a year ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago, or a year ago, if right. you put $1,000 into Costco, for example, mm-hmm. a decade right. ago, right. You're, you, you would have five times that amount now. Yeah. That now, is Costco. the kind of thing that you want to look to to avoiding the kinds of situations a lot of people are in today. Yeah. I mean, Costco has been one of those companies that has um, you know, increased in value drastically over the past uh, you know, five, ten years, uh, as there have been a few others out there as well mm-hmm. that you know, we could talk about Apple, we could talk about sure. uh, Amazon and some of the other FANG stocks out there. Um, but that is not the norm, and most people aren't going to put all their money into one stock, and that's usually not recommended. 
But you're right. With a well-diversified portfolio, I would say this, Seth, is that if you're contributing to your retirement accounts or even outside investments consistently, um, you can build a, you know, or many people, I should say, have built mm-hmm. um, nice net worths into their retirement, and they're able to live off of those investments mm-hmm. in retirement to subsidize uh, the cost of living, even in situations when we see uh, the cost of living increasing the way it is. Yep. So uh, trying to outpace inflation today is is a little bit more difficult yep. because, again, inflation is at such a, a high number, and we're also seeing the markets uh, being affected uh, by what's going on out there in the economy. So there's a kind of a double whammy hitting people right now. Yeah, uh, but you can help them for the next time. You well, that's our goal. That's that. what we're out there trying yeah. to do for our clients each and every day. You bet. Thank you, brother. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Fenner and Sipic, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to grandcanyonplanning.com, request an appointment. Thanks, Thanks sir. John. Talk to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Steve is in Tempe. Hello, Steve. How are you doing, Seth? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, doing good. Doing good. I... I missed uh, John Dabrowski's portion of the of the show there, I, I, and I don't know if he touched on it, but um, I wanted to, you know, obviously you're talking about the financial state of the country and, the, you know, the deficit and everything else, and that's a big issue right now. One of the things that I'm really surprised that a lot of people, and, and John as well, aren't just absolutely alarmed at is i mean in my you know being a being an investor myself not to the not a you know i'm just a casual investor i guess you would you would call it but as it relates to investing in stocks and things like that you know one of the key indicators of the economy and how things are going is the dow jones i mean right now the dow jones is just over 36 or, or uh, 30,600 and when Trump left office it was it had just it was just under three, uh, 30,000 and, and it turn it 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 went to 30,000 just a very short time after he left office the fact that the Dow Jones has only risen just over 3,000 points in three years to me is alarming I mean that that's an absolute that that shows an absolute shutdown of an economy or of our economy based on on historical records as it, as it relates to um, how the Dow Jones has increased and when you when you com- when you compare that to the percentage increases that happened during the Trump administration to what's going on right now and what and what's happened since Biden took office it, it there's no comparison i mean it's it's uh we should be. I mean, in my mind, and, and I know you. You know, it's it's uh, speculation. But had Trump been reelected, we'd we'd be a we'd be at this stage of the Dow Jones right now after three or four months. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I think the economy was absolutely ready to to uh, take off like a rocket ship after he uh, got reelected. And uh, obviously that hasn't happened. And, you know, that's that's a major thing. And, you know, back to, um, uh, you know, also talking about uh, Trump and 
and some of the issues right now. One of the things that really disturbs me the most is, uh, you know, we're starting to see, uh, you know, if you're talking about increases, we're starting to see an increase in, in gas prices. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, I think we've burned through the reserves that have, that have kept the price artificially uh, where it's at right mm-hmm. now. Yep. And, um, you know, you were, you were talking about on your show yesterday and, you know, one of the things that I, I really hope you bring up with uh, Brandon Weicker next time you talk to him is, and you because you mentioned it yourself, and you were absolutely correct. Trump Trump called that. He said, "You elect this guy, you're no. going to have gas prices no. at six and seven dollars, and that's where it's going." Right. And um, it's already uh, there in California. It is, and um, we're it, it's Trump. You know, say what you want about him, but that man is extremely insightful about what was going to take place in a lot of different areas. He he called, uh, you know, he was he was very, very hesitant about shutting down the economy during the COVID situation because he said, look, if I do this, it's going to cause it's going to cause depression, going to cause increased drug use. And you're shutting down the schools. I mean, he called all of that. Mm-hmm. And he uh, he was abs- he was actually forced into a corner of doing it. I know that um, a lot of people are you know lo- looking back and saying, "Well, gosh, why didn't he fire that guy Fauci?" You know, Fauci was you know has proven to be just a complete um, uh, you know just just not just not having any correct information as to what was going on with that virus. Why wasn't that guy fired a long time ago during uh, Trump's administration? Well, the fact of the matter is. You know, at the time, Fauci was looked at as being, you know, you know, would have been the equivalent of firing Mother Teresa from the Vatican. You know, he was like he was like a, a god. I, I do have to people. tell you, I, I, I do have that complaint against Trump, though, because Trump yeah, kind of made him Mother Teresa. You know, he uh, didn't no, have I, to have Fauci be the face. He didn't have to have Fauci be the voice. And at a certain point, you're right, though. I mean, it was back and forth for a while. For a while, he wanted it known that he and Fauci didn't have disagreements. And then he wanted it to be known that they did. That is, look, no one's perfect. And the good outweighs so much bad. And three years of, of excellence versus a year that brought us a novel surprise that no one knew what to do with is absolutely going to give you a grade on a curve. I, I, I'm with you on that. But I don't, yeah. I don't want to let him off the hook for these things just so when going forward we don't have the same problem again. Because you have to admit, some of his choices, some of his choices for leadership were, were, were really very questionable. Oh, Scott, no, no question. And I won't, I won't disagree with you on that at all. He, he I mean, gets I some look, passes look, on this because it was novel he, and new and a surprise. He gets some, but he doesn't he get does. a full defense. He, he, no, and, and you're correct there. I and but you know, given the given the fact that he's that he's not a he wasn't a politician, did not know the ins and outs of Washington, and in you know, to his detriment, Trump is an extremely loyal guy, and that's why he hired Jeff Sessions as the as attorney general, which proved to be one of the biggest mistakes that he that he made. And then uh, also, and then and then hiring Bill Barr afterwards, which which you and I both didn't think would be a, a bad replacement at all, which turned out to be a bad replacement. 
And then uh, the same thing with, you know, he fired, you know, he hired uh, Rex Tillerson as um, Secretary of State. Got that one wrong, but... Um, John Bolton. I mean, we can do a few of these. <laughs> we can yeah, do yeah, a few. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no question. But um, the fact is, uh, he has called a lot of things right. Yes, yes. And where I'm going back to... I, I think you got to take the man yeah. in, the, in, the, in the full completeness of his actions and his decisions. And, yeah, no and question. certainly on the economy which I think people really, you know, rightly care first and foremost about, the economy and their safety, um, he was aces. He was aces. And there's no getting over it. I was just looking at something. you remember the misery index? You don't hear much about it anymore, but it used to be an interesting measure of the economy. It was inflation wedded to um, unemployment. You know, the lower the better, the higher the, the, the the less good. You know, his average four-year misery index was, um, and it was going down every year until COVID, was probably, yeah. uh, I'm just looking, 649, 634, 544, and then COVID brought us 935. It's probably the high sixes. Probably the high yeah, sixes. And, Biden's and, and got fact, us at 11. Yeah, and so keep in mind, too, during the eight I, years— got to hit a break. Of, you want to hold? I owed you from yesterday. You want to yeah, hold? Please, All right. thank you. All right, that'll be great. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. Y-Refi, based here locally, great uh, activists in our community, great uh, philanthropists, great business in our community. They offer an investment in a secure and collateralized portfolio that delivers a high fixed interest rate where your interest is compounded daily, you're paid monthly, there are no fees. And if you are concerned about the very things we've been talking about, the stock market's volatility, possible recession, inflation, um, it's an investment in a portfolio that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. You can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. No fees. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or call them at 888 YREFI24. Steve uh, is in Tempe on hold. We were talking economy. Yeah, Seth, and I was just going to point out that during the Obama eight years before Trump took office, we had never reached a uh, GDP close, or it was um, uh, economic growth was was less than three um, percent right. annually throughout his entire term. Right. Trump accomplished a, 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 a growth factor above three percent. No, I think he hit a record. I think he hit something like a nearly fifty, sixty, seventy year record at one point. Yeah, and it was. And the other record being the fact that we achieved energy independence for the first time Correct. in the history of when, it, which which is a huge thing. Correct. And I'm telling you, when gas prices start, I mean, I, I just filled my car the other day. I mean, I usually don't let it get down to where it's, uh, you know, almost empty, but it, but but chance uh, by by chance it got there, and I filled it up the other day. My, uh, it was 104 dollars to fill my tank. Yeah. And I and, and it's it's ridiculous. And the fact when gas prices are up around seven dollars a a gallon, which is which is the way it's it's heading, and, and which it will get to, 
Um, you know, I, I think one of the I think one of the big campaign slogans that Trump should use is is that Biden's um, allowing illegal immigrants and open borders, illegal immigrants coming into our country, and he's restricting gas from coming into our country from the XL pipeline, the Keystone pipeline. And um, How about are you better off than you were four years ago? I mean, if it's going to be between those two, that's a perfect use of that phrase, isn't it? Yeah, but he's got an open border to, for illegals coming in, but he's got a closed border when it comes to bringing gas into our country. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Well done. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> Let's so. send it in. All right, brother. Thank you. I'm Seth Liebson. Uh, room for more, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 